I'm Tim Tuffo. This is an Orange and Blue Thing podcast. Hey guys, what's up? What's going on? Orange and Blue Thing, Episode 9. We are live from Long Island. That's Darren Meenan. I'm Brian Ernie. My headphones are falling out. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a gorgeous February 23rd evening. What is up with this weather, man? This is insane. Uh, Dude, I don't know, but you almost killed me in the backyard just now. He comes over to the house. Uh, We're in my basement if you, this is your first time watching. And uh, we have a catch. He brought his glove. I conveniently left mine at work today and he goes don't worry i have two so we were in the back war- warming up the arms the old wing before we got down here you almost killed me i did not almost kill him that uh, well all right whatever uh, we'll make my <laughs> fastball seem better put me over here that's fine yeah we were having a nice casual catch and then the guy start decides to pitch to me well and you were the first one bounced to his credit, he hasn't thrown in a while, and I, then the second one he threw, I was a little bit, no, that was down the middle, but the third one, I got nervous, he put some juice behind it, and I actually turned my head. If anyone's ever played softball with me, they know I'm not the best athlete, <laughs> and then this thing comes flying in, and I thought you were going to take my head off, so, yeah. I, I'm sorry about that. Well, <laughs> let's, do, let's do the housekeeping first before we get down to brass tacks here. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook Live, hello, welcome to our new setup. It looks much better, it should sound much better, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, please do us a favor, hit that share link on the right-hand side of the post, put us in your friends' timelines, help us spread the word about the show. If you're listening on iTunes or SoundCloud after the fact, thanks for downloading. Please rate and subscribe and do all that fun stuff. Listen, the audience grows, I get better looking, that's basically how it works. So. <laughs> yeah, the bigger the shows get, the, uh, the better they'll get as well, you know what I mean? Like that's when you right. start traveling, maybe getting some guests on that, that uh, you know might be more enticed to be on the show if we have a little bit more street cred out there. But we're doing good so far, and we have some good ratings on iTunes and all that. So, yeah, keep watching, keep sharing, keep liking, doing your thing. Uh, Mets fans are extremely loyal, as we've learned over the years, especially with the Seven Line Army. And um, we're excited where this is going so far. So thanks for watching so far. You know, this has been fun. And we have to talk about the new setup. Yeah, thanks a lot to Andrew Zarian. GFQ Network. We were running awesome. the whole show off a laptop for the first eight episodes. We're like, we're like veterans now. We're nine episodes in. But the set's in my basement, and we were kind of just rolling the dice each week, hoping that we would get through an episode where we wouldn't have audio issues. And um, it finally came down to the time where I was losing my brain every time we'd turn the episode off at the end. of We pressed end stream or whatever. I'm like, oh, my God, that sucked. Like, we got to invest. So I bought a whole bunch of stuff, and... Um, Invested in the show. So we got some mics. Hopefully we sound better out there. We got a couple webcams. We've got a mixing board here. And Andrew Zarian from GFQ totally hooked it up. He came down here a couple days ago and, and worked out the kinks with me. And I think we're, we're, doing, we're, good, we're in good shape. So thank you, Andrew Zarian. If you want to check his podcast out, he has a whole network of shows. And um, it's called GFQ Network. Guys from Queens, look them up. Look Andrew up. And uh, definitely follow them and watch some of their shows. They got some really good content out there. He was saying he does a lot of pro wrestling, and that that's just exciting. Because I, uh, I'm obviously you know I'm a, I'm a big wrestling fan, which I know that it's just not some people's cup of tea. I know it's not your cup. It's of not. Tea. I mean, it was my cup of tea when I was a kid. I'm not saying you know, I'm too mature for wrestling now. It's just not my, not really my thing. But honestly, I go back more power and forth. to you. I go back and forth on it sometimes, where I'm just like, what the hell am I watching? Like uh, when only because 
I feel like they dumb it down more than they used to. But, I mean, I, I wish they didn't do that so much. But what, whatever. We're, we won't get off on that tangent. <laughs> but I know we do have some crossover. We do have a lot of buddies, especially in the section, that are, that are big wrestling fans. So yeah. definitely check out some stuff. Uh, I was watching a, uh, an interview with Stevie Richards the other day, who's now doing a lot of DDP yoga stuff, which I'm also into. So very good stuff. Very cool. And thank you, Andrew, for, for the setup because, I mean, I, I just feel like a star right now. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm I looking like at the comments. Star. People are saying we sound a lot better. We look a lot better, which is good. Uh, hopefully it makes our, our beer bellies look smaller. I don't know how we could look better. <laughs> I mean, we are two handsome gentlemen. If you're listening to this afterwards on iTunes, definitely pop in on Thursday nights, Facebook, 6 o'clock. We do a lot of fun stuff live, too, special offers. Last week we, we dropped Apple hats out of nowhere. Yeah. And uh, those things went in like 30 seconds. So, yeah, the, the live show is fun. And obviously we post everything to iTunes afterwards. So if you're listening to this when you're done, click subscribe, leave us a rating. And, uh, you know, tune in every week. We try to do this once a week, especially now that the season's not going on yet. But tomorrow, spring training officially starts. Games start tomorrow against the Red Sox. I don't know if it's on TV, but... It is actually not, but it is on the radio. Um, Wayne Randazzo tweeted out the other day uh, WFAN's broadcast schedule, which is cool because anybody who has, um, obviously, is in market and has a radio that they can listen and tune into... Uh, I'm sorry, FA, I said FAN. Oh my god! Oh my god! W O R. I'm sorry. That's old habits die hard, man. Those guys used to have to put like a, a dollar in a in a in a change jar when they would call it. I don't. I don't blame them because it's hard. So W O R uh, broadcast schedule. Um, so check that out. Check Wayne's um, uh, timeline out for that. And hey, it's kind of cool. They are on TV on Saturday for the home opener. Awesome. We have we have buddies down there uh, that are going to be checking that out. And. Um, Wayne actually said when he tweeted out the schedule that he's going to do some TV. He's going to get oh, to do cool. some play-by-play for this spring. Yeah, it's a good is... thing about the MLB at Bad App. You can listen yes, to that's, all that's the That's where games. I was going with that train yeah, of thought. I mean, even if it's not on WOR, mm-hmm. you can listen to the away feed, which always fucking sucks. Which always, always makes awful. us appreciate uh, our booth and also the TV booth, like the best booth in baseball, Gary, Keith, and Ron. But also Howie, Josh, and Wayne, and, and Madge, and all those guys do a great job, too. They do a great job also. So when they're off and you have to listen to, like, the Atlanta Braves feed, it's freaking brutal. I was thinking about this the other day when you think, obviously, Gary, Keith, and Ron, right, and then there's Howie and Josh. When you even think about the secondary guys that have come through, uh, Wayne, obviously, Kevin Burkhardt. I like Scott Braun. Scott Braun did a nice job. Really? And he's younger, too. Very impressive. Chris Cotter is an alum of SMY who um, who obviously went on to ESPN and other things. Um, even other talent like Julie Alexandria, who did uh, Mets Insider for a while, and she's doing uh, she was with the Nationals for a while. She went to San Diego, but she's not, she's not there anymore. I thought she was back for another like season. Like last week, I think she said something like she's moving on or whatever. Oh, I don't really? Know. I don't know. She, but, I mean, if you even look, you look at all the talent that's come through, we've been so lucky. It's New York, man. you got to yeah, shine here. Yeah, no, and it's true. It's true. But you know what? I mean, with all due respect to the team across town, they don't have as good of a broadcast. Not even close. Right. I mean, the production's good, but we, I, Michael Kay and, and the guys. Al Leiter. Al does okay. Yeah. I'm always, I'm always surprised that he's on that broadcast because he seems like the guy who would be – I think he's actually really good. But he seems like the type of guy that would that should embrace his Mets roots, you know. I know he started with the, he came up with the Yankees and everything like that. But. Yeah, yeah, totally. So yeah, yeah uh, like like just don't <clears throat> play your clubhouse music too loud, Scott Casimir. <laughs> like Brian was talking about tomorrow, uh, game start. So a lot of our friends actually flew down there already, and we can't we couldn't make it for opening day. That's Saturday, the home opener. We're going down on March 11th, but. Um, 
yeah, some rule changes in MLB that we got to mention. We talked about it a few episodes ago about the extra innings are going to start with the guy already on second base, which we both agree that that's horrible. I don't know if they're going to go through with that. No, but... they said it's not even. It's never going to get to the major. All right, level. so that one's out. But yeah. yesterday they announced, uh, or was it today? I don't know. It's official that the intentional walk is now going to just be a motion from the dugout. They don't actually have to throw the pitches anymore. Right. I can't remember who the the ex player was or whatever. He wrote, well, I scored twice on a wild pitch on, you know what I mean? Like how much time does it actually take to do an intentional, throw an intentional walk? I think it's like 30 seconds and it doesn't happen very often. It's like once every three games. So there were, there's no advantage in this. There were like just over 900 intentional walks last year to shorten the game by 30 seconds. It doesn't do anything. It's, it's obviously an empty suit, right? I mean, it's, this isn't going to get the intended consequence of actually shorting game, shortening games, but that being said, I'm not going to really miss it. I got to be honest with you. I I still have tremors about Armando Benitez and how he couldn't throw <laughs> an. Into- I remember there was a playoff game. I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, game two against the Giants in the NLDS when he the JT Snow game where he blew the blew the save and then they came back and won. I don't remember. You're the sponge here. I'm just a right. guy that the, watches baseball, the, drinks the, beers. The, the JT <laughs> Snow game. Every, people know what I'm talking about. Uh, and he was trying to intentionally walk somebody, somebody and he's, he was always awful at it. And Robin Ventura actually distracted the guy on third base and, like, was chatting him up so that he wouldn't break down the line and realize <laughs> Benitez was so bad at it. So, I mean, I'm not going to really miss it. Um, in the league that I played in for all that time, we actually didn't throw – and it was fine. Like, yeah, the guys dude, just... honestly, it's going to shorten the game by like 30 seconds. I think, honestly, oh, yeah, it's I... not going to, like I said, it's not going to have the intended consequence. No, no, no. We've mentioned, we haven't actually talked about this on the show. This is an idea that I've had years ago, like, you know, last year, whatever, whenever this became a thing with the challenges. I think it's ridiculous that the managers are allowed to pick up, a, pick up the phone and listen to whoever watches the replay and lets them know, like, yeah, I think you should challenge it or you shouldn't. It should be, if your eyes are better than mine, you have to challenge within 30, 30 seconds or whatever. And if you don't, then that's it. You can't consult with someone on the phone. Get right. rid of that, and you shorten the game by minutes. I totally agree with that. Not they, 30 seconds. Well, they are shortening replays, I think, to two minutes. But you shouldn't be allowed to pick up a phone and get I agree. It should be a, it should be a, It should be a split-second thing. And the, the crew review, this, this crew chief review, yeah. where you've used your challenge, you lost, and now you just have another challenge just because, like, I don't know why, because they feel like it. I think it's that's crazy. So you stupid. want to shorten the game, that's it. You put a rule in, no... No phone call to whoever's watching the replay to let you know if you should challenge or not. I think get rid of that and you shorten the game by minutes, you know not what, 30 seconds. You know what I'd like to see also? Um, catcher's visits count as coaches' visits. So you can only have two co- coaches' visits in an inning. So if the pitching coach comes out once, that's one. And then if the manager comes out, you have to take the pitcher out. Uh, with all, you know, I'm, I'm a former catcher, so I really respect what a, a lot of the good catchers do. Yadier Molina, all the Molinas, really. Uh, these guys who can nurse pitchers through games. But especially in a playoff game where those games are longer anyway because there are longer commercial breaks and, and more production elements, uh, you can't have a, a catcher trotting out to the mound on every pitch to make sure they're on the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that would make a huge difference. And obviously we talked about the commercials. I mean, that's really the crux of the issue to me. I think you can very easily um, sponsor. When you think about how regional TV sells their ad time, it's all two, three ads over and over again. You know, Geico. How many times are we going to see the caveman or the frog well, or the lizard? Well, we get paid or... per spot, you know what I mean? But Yeah, but there's some kind of package you could do that the bottom half of the inning – 
you know, the the middle of the inning is sponsored by Geico or whatever. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, you mentioned that last time too, but something like that is that's never going to change. So obviously they're, they're going to make money off the ads and that's, you know, that's just a part of the game now. So the game is changing, but now they're also making new rules, which sucks. But and you know what anyway, they would you, do, brought right? up, you brought up sponsorships though. Yeah. The Mets announced today that yeah, they yeah, um, are changing their name of the St. Lucie Mets ballpark from Tradition Field to, what is it? Data... New Data Stadium. New Data Stadium. Who gives a shit? I don't give a shit. I don't care. You don't care. The majority of the fans don't care. But Mets Twitter always has a problem. You mean you can't say that the sky is blue and the grass is green without someone disagreeing with you? So today it it was announced and they took the photo and they had the plaque and everyone stood there happy and whatever. You know, it's just part of of naming rights. That's what they do. But do you really care what the name of the ballpark is that you're going to go? I mean, honestly, Shea Stadium, a lot of deep connection to Shea Stadium, that meant something. Mm-hmm. Once they start bringing in naming rights, it doesn't matter what it's called. No. I mean, I think it's cool that, like, if you like Coors Beer and there's Coors Field, like, that's cool. But once something, you know, Qualcomm or whatever the hell the name of these stadiums yeah. are, who cares? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I put a poll up and it was like 78% of the people don't give a shit what the name of the place is. I can't imagine how anyone would give a shit. Um, I certainly don't. I mean, I care about... Your mom cares. My, actually... <laughs> my mom cares? Yeah, yeah, I care. Okay. I just read the comments. Brian's mom does care that it's not called Tradition Field anymore. Tradition was... You know what, mom? You're shit out of luck. How about that? <laughs> wasn't Tradition all... That was a sponsor. Yeah, that was a sponsored name. Thomas J. White Stadium is the original name of the stadium. Thomas J. White was a developer, I believe, from Kansas City or something like that, who uh, helped bring the Mets um, to Port St. Lucie. That's why the stadium was originally named after him. Tradition, a tradition, the town of Tradition bought the naming rights. Um, it was Tradition Field until, uh, let's see, I believe from 2004 until 2010. And I know the Mets got a little grief at like, oh, the game start. Isn't this late? To announce a naming rights deal, the Mets announced their naming rights deal with Digital Digital Domain Park during uh, the game. During the game <laughs> against the Braves on March 23rd in 2010. So if I mean, and then Digital Domain stopped paying. So in 2012 they were done, and Tradition came back. So I mean, whatever. I, I, I don't I really, care. You know what I think would be a good solution though, because obviously I care. I think that obviously City is this premier sponsorship the Mets have, and it's a 25 year pact. But what I think, I think people have a connection to Shea Stadium or whatever. Um, I know our my um, at UniWatch, Paul Lucas does these shirts where I'm calling it whatever, and then the the real name, like I'm calling it Shea, I'm calling yeah, it yeah, Jack yeah. Murphy Stadium. People think we make those. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. We have I miss Shea. The the I'm yeah. calling it Shea is not us, but we yeah. still get emails all the time. That's funny. Um, well, that's who does it, and I, you know, for me, what I would say to that is the perfect solution is if you need to sell naming rights, why not? Shea Stadium presented by City, and that because it's long. When you're saying I'm going to yeah. City, like I like City. Like in well, the beginning, I was like, oh, City Field. I really wish they would have called it Shea. But when you go to Manhattan, you say I'm going to the City. Right. I mean, the, the exactly. stadium's not in Manhattan, but it's kind of cool now, like City Field, whatever. I'm going to City. Uh, I'm going to City, whatever. If you say I'm going to Shea, sponsored by City, it's not. You're the not going to say that. You're going to say I'm going to Shea. I know, but so then, for the fans' purpose, I know, but for the sponsor's purpose, well, maybe. Um, <laughs> the, but does the sponsor earn more goodwill because they allowed themselves not to be whatever? I don't know. Well, we're getting down the road. Oh, one thing I want to touch on before we move on: John Neese is a Yankee. Yeah, uh, someone wrote on Twitter. I don't know who it was. So I'm sorry, but it said one man's trash is another man's treasure. So good luck in the Bronx, John. Hopefully, you get some good defense behind you, so don't shit all over your teammates like you did to the Mets. So good luck, dude. Uh, anyway, moving right along to our post of the week, Brian's going to go first. Yeah. 
And here we go. So I'll start with my um, post of the week, which is from our buddy Nelson Figueroa, former Mets pitcher, uh, now obviously an analyst at SMY. Um, You see, you know, when you think about uh, what we do as fans and we sit here in February and kind of lament, oh, gosh, you know, I'd love that one more reliever. Oh, geez, we never moved Jay Bruce and he's blocking Michael Conforto. Well, think back to the days when we were totally stoked about Matt Dendecker and Mike Baxter and Marlon Byrd and all these guys that were, you know, maybe past their prime, maybe not quite ever reached their prime. Uh, with all due respect to those guys, they're Major League Baseball players and much better than I'll ever be. But you look at this post right here and says, look, Ma, real major leaguers. And you look at that line of guys and... Any one of these guys, would you be really surprised if they made an all-star team? We've got Reyes and Wright and Bruce. Uh, who else? Cespedes. Granderson. Granderson. Cesp- yeah, everyone's in there. So it's like I went down in 2012. That was my first year. So obviously, um, you know, they were great guys on the team. But now you're looking at basically all-stars. Yeah. Up and down the lineup. So hopefully if everyone clicks, we're, we're like unstoppable this I mean, year. But. I remember when people were like, oh, the Mets need to get a Struble Cabrera. Well, now we have a Struble Cabrera. You know, like every fantasy that Mets fans could have had in those days, you know, in the in the post-Bernie Madoff days where obviously they were cutting payroll and, and, and cutting costs and rebuilding at the same time. It was kind of dual purpose. Um, they're here now. It's it's insane, and with more guys on the way, like Ahmed Rosario and Dom Smith and Dude, Pete people Alonso. are gushing over him uh, for good reason. Uh, for yeah, good reason. Gushing, I mean, gushing. the guy the guy has every tool you could want. Obviously, you never know how it's going to pan out, but uh, Ahmed looks like the real deal. So, um, listen, I love this post from Nelson. It brings me back to our to the days where we need to remind ourselves to stay true and trust the process. If we're Nelson's been doing great phrase. work down there, man. Yeah, he has. Nelson's been putting out some really good content. So is Matt Cerrone. Matt Cerrone yep. picked up a nice camera and he's been shooting a lot of photos. Matt too. shines this time of year, man. That's yeah. when Mets blog really shines. And yeah, Vine. The, what's it called? Vine and Vine and Barley. Vine he and Barley. This is Vine and Barley. Sitting there drinking beers, editing photos. Yep. So yeah, shout out to Matt. Great, great job. I think this was his last day. So Matt Cerrone yeah. did a great job. He also has a book coming out. We we pumped him up on I think like episode two or three. So check out his book coming out. I think it's pre-sale on Amazon, but. Matt's been doing a great job. Nelson Figueroa also put up something. It was a video of every pitcher and every catcher lined up throwing together, but it was raining. So he's like, rain or shine, whatever. These guys are getting it in. So everyone's been doing a great job down there, but shout out to those guys. Um, going to get to my post here. Brian's going to chat for a second so I can cue it up. Yeah, um, I'll just say quickly, uh, I saw Noah Syndergaard talk on, on Mets Hot Stove or whatever it was, Mets Talk Live last night. And that dude instills so much confidence in me, man. It's crazy to to see him throw and then to see him talk, and he's so even keeled. That I don't know who post who posted the clip of it was all the pitchers lined up, everyone tossed. Noah was the farthest away from the camera. Yeah, it was Gelbs. Gelbs put that. Gelbs up. posted it, yeah. and then when Noah tossed and hit the glove, it was like twice as loud. It, it, I mean, this this guy's a beast. I think something came out today. He's like, I'm 110 percent every day. Like I'm full throttle. You know what I mean? And that's that's the kind of guy you want a team. But you also have to make sure that he doesn't overdo it. You yeah, know, it's a long yeah, season. It's true. It's true. All right. So um, my post of the week is to kind of eat crow a little bit. I've been down on Jay Bruce a little bit. When he came to the team, he publicly said he didn't want to come here, and I felt that. That's a negative vibe you don't want to have right when you come to a new team. Obviously, he was he was, you know. Uh, 
close with his family, close with his fan base. He was a Cincinnati Red forever. It was probably pretty uh, disappointing to have to move in July to New York and, you know, whatever. But he publicly said he wasn't really excited to be on the team, and he actually said he didn't, he didn't want to be on the Mets. Like, he said, like, don't trade me to the Mets. And then he was a Met. So this post here, if you're listening afterwards on the screen here, is uh, Jose Reyes posted a photo of him and Cespedes chasing Jay Bruce, and it said... Uh, when they say whoever's last pays for dinner and you're cheap, he's gone. So I think that it's cool. Like Jay Bruce, not that this photo means that everyone's boys, but I think that it's, it's cool to see everyone kind of gelling. And, you know, now he's, he's on the team. The Mets didn't trade him during the offseason. And hopefully he's excited and motivated to bring this team to the next level this year. Because these, how could you be on a team with these guys and not be excited? So um, the first comment here, you can kind of see it on the screen. It says, Happy to see Bruce fitting in with you guys. And that's exactly kind of what I was saying last year. Like, you don't want to be on a team who had playoff potential last year, even though a lot of the pitchers were hurt, and then publicly say, I don't want to be here. Right. So as a fan, it's like, well, fuck you. I don't want to be a fan of you if you don't want to be here. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Right. But now seeing like he's kind of getting along with all the guys and everyone's joking around and everyone's having a good time, then it's it's really it's nice to see. You know what? It's, it's interesting because um, I hope this doesn't sound ignorant, but um, I'm always kind of – not not surprised, but just I'm impressed that there's a lot of times in clubhouses there are cultural lines drawn just because naturally the maybe the Latino players gravitate towards other guys they have more in common with, which are guys who grew up uh, you know in on a, on an island or something like that. Um, same thing, you know, guys from the middle of America just kind of gravitate towards each other. What's never seemed to be a problem with Cespedes, uh, obviously Reyes, Cabrera, they're boys with everybody. Like those guys are like the you know I sort of call them the three amigos because you know they're they're just they seem to be all about each other which is awesome but also the blonde bombshell yeah yeah and they get Jay <laughs> Bruce involved they get Neil Walker involved and like that's really cool because it's it's a testament to what's going on in in the clubhouse which I'm really excited about obviously with Jay we know that he uh you know he had a baby last year so that factored in and. The housing situation that's been addressed kind of ad nauseum. So he had a lot of complications, but uh, I'm glad to see him fitting into and uh, hopefully big things from him this year. Yeah, totally. I'm 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 on board. I mean, they didn't get rid of him. You got to get behind him. And I'm pulling for all the guys. Obviously, they're Mets. I'm pulling for him, but I just like to know when they they want to be here. It makes me feel better as a fan. Sure, makes sense. So we're going to get right along to the follows of the week. We do this every week. No rhyme or reason. Just people we think that you should follow. And Brian's going to hit you first. Yeah. Um, it's our buddy Andrew Indart, which is at CFS. Is there an underscore in there? No. CFS okay. Lawn Dart. CFS Lawn Dart. Um, Andrew's a g- good friend of ours. And what's funny is that neither one of us knew him before the seven line. So everybody thinks that like him and Darren were boys before this or – like and then I met him and, and we we text a bunch. We were texting about Star Wars a bunch over the holidays and everything. He's just a good dude. You know, a lot of people call him the general. He's there leading the chant, leading the he struck him out chant. Um, he's never missed an outing. And, he's missed one. Oh, did he miss one? He doesn't like to admit it because oh. it was the Cyclones outing two years ago. Oh, okay. But well. he did miss the Cyclones outing. So he likes to say. I mean, I say it too. He's never missed an outing because that was yeah. minor league, whatever. But. He's been to 63 outings, so unbelievable. He, he's never missed one as far as like the Sevlon Army and the Mets are playing is concerned. Sorry for some I drank I, that beer very fast. I'm burping now. I, I you think, know what? We didn't even cheers at each other. Um, what the fuck? Well, right. we have barely right. a little bit of beer here. I got to re- Anyway, and and, and, a, and a shout out to, to Andrew. He's down there right now with his lovely girlfriend, Amanda. I, I think that um, they're, you know, just a good all-around good dude. 
Uh, he's always on point with. I, I keep jumping on you, yeah. but no. He's always on point with the travel plans too. So like all the yeah, other yeah, games, because yeah. he's never missed a game. He's got a lot of traveling under his belt. So I usually ask him where he's staying, and then I book my my my, my travel plans after him. People were asking him about him and St. George Lewis Ho. George Ho yeah. and Andrew Indoor are so on point with the traveling. So uh, again, we mentioned this last week, and also during one of these preview shows. Join the forum. The forum on the website. Yeah. It's the sevenlineArmy.boards.net. If you want to. Go to the site first, click events. There's a link to join. It's free. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of good pointers on there, places to stay, uh, things to do, stuff like that. So join the forum. But yeah, that's that's uh He's got the best plans. He's a really big star. <laughs> I really think he's gonna be terrific. <laughs> yeah, definitely follow uh in Dart. So moving right along here to my father week, I got to give a shout out to Lizzie. We're, we're, our fathers are both in the family, so Andrew's never missed an outing, and Lizzie's missed a couple just because she had prior engagements with weddings and shit like that. Ooh, but like when she missed the catch in the home run. Yeah, if she was at that game, she would have caught the home run instead of Ivory caught it. But she would have. Lizzie's my home girl. I've known her forever. And when it came time to hiring somebody for the seven line, we were at a barbecue. My wife and and I were at a barbecue. And Lizzie was there and we sit there and she's like, listen, I, you know, I hate my job. I work in Manhattan. I want to do something different. And at that point, I think she was unemployed. I'm like, listen, come work for me. I'm getting busy. Um, I promise you it's getting bigger. I kept telling her, don't worry, don't worry. It's going to get bigger. It's going to get bigger. And she trusted me. So she's been down since like 2011, 2012. So before the outings even started. But she has a hand in everything as far as like the outings are concerned, the orders are concerned. If you order something on the subline.com, she pushes print on the label to make, you know, to ship out your stuff. So Lizzie doesn't get enough credit. Everyone always says, thanks, Darren. Thanks, Darren. But like Lizzie is there every day, even when I'm not. You know what I mean? Like this morning, we were doing something for the show and she was at work. You know, yeah. so definitely give Lizzie a follow. She doesn't post that much, but last week I said to her, I was like, listen, ramp your ramp your game up a little bit. She's like, trying, too. She did. She even wrote, like, Darren says I should tweet more. But yeah. on Twitter, she is at Lizzie, L-I-Z-Y underscore T-7-L. Um, she is also on Instagram. I don't know if she posts much on there, but follow Lizzie. Great girl. Um, yeah. Our, our I only theme... have one employee. I've, yeah. I've, myself, I'm more than full-time. Uh, and I get jealous of her sometimes, too, because... She leaves work, and then she doesn't have to think about work. That's a nice part about I'm the same way at my company. So like 5 o'clock on Even Friday, still think about a few it. days, you know, she has Saturday and Sunday off. And if, if Monday's a holiday, she doesn't have to think about work till Tuesday. And I'm thinking like, all right. But you know what makes her a good employee? She probably is thinking about it. She is, but she's also very loyal and trustworthy. And like I knew right off the bat, I never had to worry about watching my back with like inventory. Like, is she going to steal a t-shirt? Like, yeah, give yeah. me a break. You know, I've known her since I'm like 15. So our, our theme, our theme of the week for our follows of the week are honestly two incredible human beings. I say that really honestly and truly with love, like. These two people are actually two of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. Right. Lizzie and Andrew. Yeah, I mean, yeah. definitely. Um, so, yeah, Lizzie's watching this. So she just wrote, wrote, thanks, Darren. Like, we don't we don't get, um, you know, we don't talk to each other like this. She knows I appreciate it. So right. I don't have to sit her down and be like, listen, great job today, Lizzie. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, yeah, so she's holding it down all the time when I'm not there. So people always say um, they think that we have, like, this arsenal of, of employees. It's yeah. me and Lizzie and PJ just moved on. We tried a new kid out last week. He came for the interview, not to throw, the, throw him under the bus because he's probably watching, but he came for the interview. He was like, I'm available whenever you want. So I'm yeah. like, all right, we need you every Monday and Friday. He's like, I don't know if I could work Friday. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I guess this isn't going to work. So, right. yeah, so we're back Some, on the job. I was going to say, somebody asked if you're, if you're hiring. Yeah, anything. we are. Okay. Uh, send me your resume. Go to the website. Click contact. It goes right to me or Lizzie, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. So, um, 
you, you are probably here because of the promotion we did about the clip of the week and also our guest, Josh Oshinsky from Sports Illustrated, which is coming up. If you were at any of the games last year or even the year before, um, you probably met Josh because he was filming for Tears of Joy. And then him and I became close friends and we started texting back and forth and talking during the offseason after 2015. And I was like, listen, I think we should make a documentary about the Seven Line Army. There's, um, there's interest out there. And there were some other people that were talking to me about doing it. But after meeting Josh and seeing his passion behind his projects, I knew that he was the guy I wanted to work with. And um, I'm going to try to – afterwards, if you're listening to this afterwards, Keith, because he chops it up for us, we're going to play the clip. And then there might be a little bit of downtime while you get him on Skype, so we'll cut that part out. But um, we're going to play the clip of the week, which is – I'm so excited to show it off. Brian hasn't seen it yet. Um, no um, one's seen it besides my wife. I'm so excited. The documentary, just a little backstory. The documentary started last spring training. Josh came down to spring training and started filming, and he filmed the whole season up until the wild card game and put together. It's, it's a really, really, I don't know. I'm selling it too much. We'll, we'll talk about it in a second. Here's the clip. some really awful, ugly sounds. That's because there's some orange-clad Mets fans that have filled up a whole lot of seats in the left. is known as the seven-line army. Mets fans and mass in center field. It's fan club on travel to select members. The Seven Line has grown into perhaps the most successful independent fan-run company in pro sports. And once you see that big section of orange, you know it's going to be an interesting day. The energy that they bring to the ballpark, wherever we are, is infectious. I've seen them in Chicago, Miami. Seven Line Army in right field might tear this ballpark down. The Seven Line has had my back. That's what makes playing here so great. We just stopped traffic! When you go to root, you go to cheer, you go to enjoy your life. Seven Line Army. He's executive producer at Sports Illustrated Films. You may have seen his production work on documentaries such as The Hammer of Hank Aaron and Tears of Joy, the 2015 New York Mets. I know I watched that one. This past year, he's been working on a documentary about the Seven Line Army, as you just saw, following us everywhere we go around the country. We're proud to have him on the show to announce some big news tonight. Follow him on Twitter, at OceanSky18. Josh, man, it's Darren and Brian on Long Island. What's up? First of all, the show looks amazing. The Thanks. set production value <laughs> looks good. Thanks, dude. We were texting about it, and like, I feel like I bother you so much because you're working on this, and I know you got 10 million other things going on. But I've been so excited about this. And after San Diego, you sent me like an edit within like a day, and you totally, um, y- it was a tease because I was like, oh shit, I'm gonna start getting previews every couple of days. This is great. <laughs> and now the season's over, and I'm like dying to see this thing. But yeah, that clip was awesome. Thanks for sending it our way. The fans are super super excited about it. And um, we just gotta talk about like the history of you being a Mets fan. And, like that's why I wanted to work with you so bad because. There's so many stories out there about the Seven Line. You just Google me or the Seven Line or the Seven Line Army, and you have the same story about this guy in a basement making T-shirts that ended up doing this. But when we met because of Tears of Joy, I knew that you and I had a connection. 
And I knew that you would tell the story differently. And that's why I wanted to work with you. So right off the bat, you and I are very similar in age. How old are you? Uh, I'm 38. All right. I'm 36. So you grew up on Long Island, right? Yeah, I grew up in Baldwin. Shout out to the Bruins that are watching right now. Nice. So, uh, yeah. So how did you become a Mets fan? Like, like, how'd you, like, was it a family thing? Like, just walk us through it. Yeah, I think it's a lot like you, man. You know, my grandfather wasn't an usher at Shea Stadium, but he grew up a diehard Met fan. He actually was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan and then transferred over to being a Met fan. And, you know, I think like a lot of people, it sort of runs in the family. And for me, that's what it was. My grandfather passed it down to my dad. My dad passed it down to me. So since I've been a kid, I've been going, I went to Shea a ton. I was Islanders and Mets. That was me. I Hell was yeah, Josh. Teams. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, Brian. So, I do. So that's what it was, and I spent a lot of my winters at the Coliseum, and I spent a lot of my summers at Shea. Now you spend a lot of your nights at work. Yeah. I try to drag you out to the game so much. I'm like, dude, I got an extra ticket. Come out, come out. And, like, I understand you got this big, big gig job now, big time job now. You can't have as much free time to play with us. But, yeah, totally, man. So um, did you play ball as a kid, or were you just more into watching it, or what? Were you any good? Tell us about it. Yeah, it was a little bit of everything. Um, Not compared to the guys we watched on the field, but – um, you know, with, at City Field, but I, yeah, I grew up playing Little League, and then I played in high school, and I played in college, so I played for Lafayette College, I was D1, I was a pitcher. That's awesome. Um, my favorite player growing up actually was Daryl Strawberry, though, and that's why I still wear 18. Um, I wore 18 in college, I still play in, like, Recreation Central Park Leagues and things like that with some buddies of mine, but I've always rocked 18, and it's always been because of Daryl. So, uh, yeah, but when I was a kid growing up, I mean, I loved those you know, late 80s teams, even the 90s teams, even the Bobby Bonilla teams that were like unwatchably bad. I still watched. That was me. That's awesome. You, we were we were just throwing the ball around in Darren's yard before we went on the air and I almost <laughs> killed Darren. And so that was fun. But uh, one day we'll have to uh, we'll have to have a catch or something like that. But uh, so tell me a little bit about how you got into the film world. Um, you know, was it? Did it start at Lafayette? Did it start elsewhere? Uh, and was it always sports projects, or was there uh, were there other things that kind of piqued your interest first? So I'm five foot nine and a half, and a hundred and eighty pound Jewish kid from Long Island. But I still deceive myself into thinking I could be a professional baseball player. <laughs> so when I was pitching at Lafayette my senior year, I kind of realized that the dream was over when I finished up with that really sweet 13 and a half ERA my senior year. Uh, <laughs> At D1, so, that's pretty impressive, man. That's still, still, it's good. Very impressive. I had whiplash from watching the ball get hit out behind me. But yeah, <laughs> that's okay. yeah thir- 13 and a half ERA, and I knew it was over, but I wanted to stay in sports somehow. So I actually went to interview at Major League Baseball Radio, and that's where I started before they even launched the satellites into the sky. Now MLB Radio is like this big thing, but at the time, it was literally nothing. It was like four people, and I was one of the original four people at MLB Radio. And then I moved over from MLB Radio over to TV, and frankly, I had no idea what I was doing on the TV side. I just thought it was cool. So I wanted to be anywhere within the sport of baseball because I just was such a diehard fan of the game. And... It was at my time at MLB Productions that I learned that I actually loved doing television and film making as well. And then I learned that really the skills that you pick up being a sports documenter is the same as, as documenting literally anything. So I, I left MLB and I started my own company, Ocean Sky Films, and it was through that relationship that I met Darren and got into Tears of Joy and, and the Hammer of Hank Aaron and all the other various films that I've done throughout the years. 
Darren Meenan and Brian Ernie, Orange and Blue Thing. We're talking with Josh Oshinsky, executive producer at SI Films. Um, that brings me to my next question, which is filming Tears of Joy. Um, I, I just thought that was excellent. I, I remember watching it over the holidays last year and just kind of like having this bittersweet feeling, right? I mean, it was such a beautiful season, and obviously we came up just short, and I thought you encapsulated it all really, really well. Um was it hard not to get wrapped up in the moment as a diehard Mets fan? I mean, you were in the locker room during celebrations. How do you contain your excitement? We, we've talked a lot about access. How do you contain your excitement, if you did? And, um, and what are the feelings as you're documenting basically a Mets fan's worst nightmare, which is falling apart in the World Series? Oh, I was completely level-headed and emotionless. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, didn't, wasn't even an issue. No, I mean... So a couple things on Tears of Joy. Tears of Joy to this day and probably forever will be the, my favorite thing that I've ever worked on. Um, I spent years and years and years at MLB working on Philadelphia Phillies championship tapes Ugh. and Yankeeographies and things like that. And look, we're professionals. You know, this is we do what we do and we put the A effort in all the time. But I never, never in 15 years in the industry, got to work on a Mets-related project until Tears of Joy. So that, just just being able to do anything on the orange and blue was a big deal for me. And then they go on the run. And it's like, you, you know, I, I, that was legitimately a dream come true, being on the field in Chicago, being in the locker room when Terry made the speech to the team and popped the champagne for the first time. I still have video on my phone about that. I mean, this is... This is a moment. I remember in the eighth inning of game four, I turned to a guy that I was producing with, and I was like, I am emotionally compromised right now. Like, <laughs> I, am not, I am not going to be able to execute that. I need you to step up and really sort of take, take my place for a minute because I was in the corner where the, the room where they had the trophy being sort of prepared. And I was like, what are you doing? Get that trophy out of here. I mean, it was a blowout. It was game four. They were up three nothing. I'm like, get the trophy out of here. Like, you're going to jinx this whole thing right now. I, 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 I teared up in the clubhouse while the champagne was being spread. And it wasn't from the sting of champagne in my <laughs> eyes. It was because I was legitimately that emotionally compromised. And then after the field, after the game on the field, all the players came out. They had cigars. Terry sprayed the fans down. It was amazing. And I remember interviewing Wilmer on the field, and that was like peak Wilmer. Um, you know, and I, I interviewed him, and I asked him what it was like to get to this moment to go to the World Series as a Met after, you know, being with the franchise since he was 16 years old. And he had tears in his eyes, and he was like, it's a dream come true. And I was all I could think was, and I had tears in my eyes, is that that being able to ask that question was a dream come true. So it was tears of joy, really, for the production side as well as for the team too. It really was uh, my favorite film that I've ever gotten a chance to work on, and probably ever will. Dude, that was I was so excited, and, and I couldn't believe it that you wanted us to be a part of it. You know, you emailed me back in like September. It's before the the, the postseason even started, and you're like, "Hey, we're working on this film." And you said it was for Fox. I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. Like, I guess it would be cool if I have some kind of part in this or the group has some kind of part in this. And then I didn't realize – honestly, I had no idea what this was going to turn into. So when you came for that first initial interview and you had your crew and we set the lights up for like four hours before we even started, I'm like, (laughs) damn, this is like the real freaking deal. Because like I've done a lot of stuff like local news channels and things like that, but nothing to this scale. So that we had like 10 minutes in that thing or eight minutes in that, it was like – it was huge. So thanks for including us because that was it was it was a really big thing for us to be part of such a historic 
film that I feel like a lot of Mets fans really had a connection to. So thank yeah, you. Really, yeah, of course, man. I mean, look, it was it was a pleasure for me, and, and frankly, like I, you know. The seven line was something that I was obviously familiar with as a Mets fan before I had an opportunity to do the film. So it was a no brainer for me when we were talking about ways to follow this team throughout what we hoped would be a long October run in different ways. Following you guys was my first thought. Coming to the bar, like coming to the playwright, dude, it was so sick. And like, that's what brought us to where we are today. You know, our connection and meeting there. And, and honestly, like I said, in the, in the beginning of this, Meeting you and seeing your vision behind Tears of Joy, and actually after it came out, I'm like, holy shit, we gotta go for this, man. So um, that brings us to this. But actually, no, let me rewind a second because you said this was probably your favorite film you've worked on, obviously until until ours comes out. But um, what what was like your biggest project to date? Like maybe production wise, do you have any? I saw like a bunch of photos of you and your wife on like red carpets and stuff. So do you have any awards under your belt or, or what? Yeah, I've been I've been lucky to work with some really talented people over the years and through those collaborations I've actually won 13 Emmy awards there you go. Uh, throughout the years. So, um the probably the best project that we were a part of in terms of accolades was the franchise, which is a project we did on Showtime. Oh, yeah. We followed the San Francisco Giants for a season. We also followed the Miami Marlins for a season, but we don't like to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. um, the San Francisco Giants season was uh, was really a pleasure to work on and just getting all access to that team over the course of a full year in season at the time was groundbreaking and nobody had ever done in season access. You've seen hard knocks and things like that preseason, but getting teams when they games actually mattered um that was that was a really really exciting project to be a part of and that wound up winning uh the national emmy award that year for best series damn so that was go. a great it was, project it was fantastic so speaking of red fantastic. carpets i i saw on your for some reason i wasn't following you on instagram until today um sports illustrated swimsuit party yeah, the other I, night how'd that go <laughs> i gotta go i gotta go I'm, watching. I'm just gonna take off real quick it's been great uh, no, where was, was that it's awesome was uh, that in houston swimsuit is uh you know, a property that we're very proud of here at Sports Illustrated uh, has, you know, obviously garners a lot of attention. Uh, SI Swimsuit is how I got into Sports Illustrated. I produced the making of SI Swimsuit documentaries for the last five years. Uh, and it was through that relationship that my partnership with Time Inc. sort of spawned. And it's through that process that I got to get my foot in the door here at SI and get to showcase that I actually know a little bit more than swimsuit models. I know a little bit about sports too. (laughs) So um, we actually just got back. This weekend was SI Swimsuit. Where was it? In Houston. Oh, wow. So you had to go back to Houston. You were at the, you were right there for the Super Bowl. Then you had to go back for this. Um, yeah, you're a traveling man. Yeah. What a hardship. (laughs) It's, you know, it's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. But yeah. So back to whenever, you know, you came for like a a follow-up interview for after tears, after the season was over, you came for the follow-up back at the warehouse after for tears of joy. And, um, that's when you and I really clicked on this, this idea for the doc. And at the time you weren't with sports illustrated yet. I don't know if it was on the table, but you weren't there yet. And you were kind of already like all in. So you came down to spring training before you even knew where this thing was going to turn up. So what really like sold you on it? Like what, what made you know that this was something that you wanted to pursue and actually go full throttle with it? Yeah. So I knew about the seven line and I knew about you prior to tears of joy, but just getting a taste to actually live it, uh, that really solidified my thinking on this process. Um, I had never in my career ever done a documentary on spec and I'd never shot something prior to it being sold until I met you guys. And I was like, this, this needs to be done. This is a story that needs to be told. I think it's good for the sport. 
I think baseball needs the seven line. I think it is the happy Gilmore of the baseball world. Like if you guys remember the movie Happy Gilmore, like golf needed to shake things up a little bit. It needed that purity. It needed that energy. And that's what the seven line brings. And when I saw that firsthand and I saw the connections that existed, I saw girlfriends, friendships, people using the group like Chris Duell to, to sort of overcome emotional things in their, in their life. And shout out to Chris, by the way, as well as your follows of the week. Completely agree with your follows. Of the week, <laughs> oh, you were watching. Hey, yeah. I was watching. Yeah, for sure. Andrew and Lizzie, one hundred percent. You know, but meeting folks like those people, I was like, look, this is this is a layup. This is worth. This is a story that needs to be told. And frankly, my concern was that everyone I work with knows that I'm a diehard Met fan. So the sell was like, eh, am I crossing the line into personal from professional here? And it was my job to sell them, no. Now, this is a story that needs to be told regardless of where the fan base is. The fact that I happen to be a Met fan, we need to remove from this situation. This is just editorially sound. And that's why when we came over, or when I came over to Sports Illustrated, I was more than happy to take this project with me. And everyone at SI that I pitched it to, it was an instant yes. They're hard to get instant green lights in this industry, even to have consensus within your own group. This was a consensus instant green light because the story is just so good. Dude, that's crazy. Talking with Josh Oshinsky, uh, executive producer at SI Films. Josh, uh, that brings me to my next question, kind of piggyback on what you just talked about. Um, Major League Baseball, uh, I think a lot of fans have been kind of impressed with the level of um, access they've given fans on social media, on YouTube. You know, the NFL is obviously traditionally anti-YouTube. MLB has been pretty good with that. Um, MLB at bat and and BAM and everything they do um, multimedia-wise. So talk about MLB clearance in for the documentary. How did that happen? What was the process to kind of get the green light from MLB on that side? I'm really lucky that I spent, you know, 15 years of my career working with folks at MLB. And, you know, it honestly was my first family professionally. And, uh, you know, I really love and respect a lot of people over there. And I'm honestly still friendly with a lot of people over there. So I'm just really grateful to have had the opportunity to have an in that maybe other filmmakers wouldn't have had to be able to go direct to people that I just have had, you know, decade long relationships with and say, Hey, this is a project that I believe in. And they sort of know and trust me enough to say, okay, you know what, maybe we should believe in it too. So it's really just, um, you know, it's, I'm lucky to have been in that position. Um, which I got to know, man, the favorite part of filming this, uh, it, I mean, I know I'm there for a lot of this stuff. It's a hell of a lot of fun. And a lot of people watching know it's a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, what about you from, from behind the lens, man? What was the most fun part of this process? Filming a hungover Darren shirtless. (laughs) I think that's gotta be the best part of the entire film. Dude, you you didn't put that in there, did you? I know you don't want that in. That's going in the film. Oh, my God, dude. I'm a gang brewery has like 10% beers, and we were drinking all day in the sun, playing wiffle ball. And the next there's, – there, there was a shower there. There was two showers, but the line was like a parking lot long. I'm like, forget it. I'm not taking a shower. I'm going to totally just hit up this big water jug, which had like a spout out of it. You shouldn't, you shouldn't drink out of it. But I'm down there with my shirt off, and I'm like – 
giving myself like the, the, the quick one to, you know, p- throwing water on my face and all, all, over comes Josh with the camera like, what's up, man? Good morning. I'm like, you better not freaking put this in the video. Oh my God. That better be in. I, I hope not. Dude, I'm, I even said to you, I'm in no shape to be shirtless <laughs> on a, something of this scale. Like maybe on like my Instagram to like however many people, but not on however many people watch the Sports Illustrated stuff. I mean, it's don't put that in there, man. Yeah, we'll see. We'll negotiate for that. But, uh, yeah, that, that, you know, I, by the way, also apologies to literally everybody in the group whose faces I had cameras in for like five consecutive Dude, months. they loved it. Uh, yeah, I, I, but it's like, it was like here. It was like right You know what? Here. The only part that made me uncomfortable, to be honest, is, you know, the wild card game, such a tight yeah. game, yeah. Um, you know, down to the wire right there. And then, I, I, shit, who was the filmer that day? Uh, yeah, there's a couple people. Samara was there. No, Steven. Um, was there. Damn, I, I'm sorry. I forgot his name. But um, he came to my house as well. Like, we filmed some stuff at the house. We we filmed a lot of really cool stuff for this. But, like, that's the moment where, like, on the way out of the game, I don't really want to talk. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's yeah. almost like I'm on, like, a reality show and, like, season's over. Mets are out. They just lost. And, like, I'm sorry if the, those clips suck. But, like, the last thing I wanted to do was talk about how shitty the game was. You You're lucky you didn't follow me because I was screaming at some guy about <laughs> on the way out about how Familia doesn't suck. And I, I'm, 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 I'm screaming like, like, like he's my brother. I'm like, you know, he sucks. Okay, buddy. You know, you know I went <laughs> full long. I mean, I went full Long Island on this guy. It was, it was not great. Well, look, the hardest part of doing any documentary is filming folks when things aren't going well. And especially in sports, it's hard, but it's important because capturing the capturing actually it's a quote from Emily Dickinson which is I I like a look of agony because I know it's true. And that's what you're looking for when you do documentaries is you're seeking for truth. And those moments after the team loses are visceral and they're painful but they're true. And frankly that's what separates us. You call it a reality show. It's not. It's a documentary. No, but you know what I mean. Like when, when like yeah. the, the camera's in your face and the match just lost and the season's over and I'm walking back yeah. to press to my car. The last thing I want to do is talk. I mean, Andrew was all about it. The end dart. When the lights He's came on, that. lights came on. Andrew's like, yo, let's, let's do it. Let's talk. Like Andrew's all about it. But yeah, um, so the whole experience was, was great. I, was, I can't thank you enough. I haven't seen – I don't want to see the whole thing. I said to you before I want to see it first. I don't want to see it until the premiere party, which we haven't announced yet. Um, but I guess it's a good time to do it. Yeah, let's do it. March 18th. Mark it on your calendar, folks. Yeah. Don't make plans. March 18th. Wontaw, Long Island, Mulcahy's. Wontaw. It's only gonna, it's, it's, it's a rough price right now, but I think it's going to be 40 bucks. Three hours, 6 to 9 p.m., Open bar with food included. You're not going to do anything on a Saturday night for 40 bucks with drinks and food included. And um, they're going to sell 850 tickets. The place is huge. So we're going to go big on that. And, and people are going to be like, wait, 850 people are going to come watch this thing? We sold 800 tickets to a Cyclones game yesterday. So I think that we're going to do pretty good. So people come on gonna, out. People will come, Ray. <laughs> I mean, will most definitely how often come. is there a Sports Illustrated documentary about the crew you, you sit and cheer with? So Mulcahy, Saturday, March 18th. Tickets aren't on sale yet. You can pre-purchase the ticket. Uh, my mom just said I can be there. Mom, you you can be there. You'll see your son drunk, but you can be there. The good part about that spot, also the uh, Long Island Railroad's right outside. Yep. So it's a very convenient location. We're gonna have a red carpet out there. Step and repeat. We're gonna we're gonna it's gonna we're gonna go big on it. And um, I'm really excited about it. I think Josh is as well. And Mulcahy's the reason why we're having it at Mulcahy's. I don't know if you know this. Some of the guys that are 
owners in the family it's a family business they sit with us they're they're part of the seven line oh, nice. the season Very ticket cool. package so like it kind of was just like a no-brainer and they uh they're well they're they're excited to have us so i'm excited to be there for it thank you for serving me during my tuny old westbury days yeah but it's it's funny like um back in my bmx days i actually made three different dvds and we had big premiere parties for that but this is gonna obviously blow it out of the water so i've been like pumping it up jo- josh i've been sa- hitting up all my old friends like listen you- we might know each other from bmx or bartending or baseball or whatever but there's a documentary about the seven line army and even if they haven't sat with us i think you should come out and and watch this thing with us so i think people are really excited about it so definitely mark your calendars saturday march 18th once once we know the details about how you can get in the door we'll definitely email our mailing list so if you're not on that go to the seven and on the bottom of the screen there's a box to enter your email address we keep you informed of anything we got going on I, mean, I promise we don't bother you too much it's like once or twice a week let you know what's going on especially for fun events like this so um josh anything else you want to say about the doc anything you want to plug anything else two things one uh your bmx boys should definitely come because they get to see you ride in this film oh yeah true that's another thing we didn't we didn't touch on it's not about the games it's not it's not only about the games it's about the people and the community and the friendships and the family that have been formed because of we're Mets fans and we, we like cheering together. So um, like you, you and I were talking about this last year, if they went to the, you know, got deep into the playoffs, went to the world series, that would have been great for the doc, but it's not the only, it's not about that. You know what I mean? That would have been great. That would have been great ending. If the Mets happened to win the world series last year, that would have been great, but it's not just about that. You know, Mike and Kylie met because of the group and they're married, you know, like Tara and Richie, I don't know if you know this, but Tara's pregnant. Like they met at the game. So like, it's not about just the games. It's about the crew. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we're not we're not in a relationship, but, yeah, they, but you and I met through this. Yeah, we're, and, and and you know, it's uh, this, this is the this is the friend I. Text and now we're the most. Boy, we're boyfriends. On yeah, Thursday we used to say. My my wife is is it's six fifty in the morning today, and my wife's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm skyping with Darren." <laughs> She's like, "Wait, what? I'm taking the baby in the other room. What do you? What? Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. You know what I mean? Exactly. So yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, and, and you guys came to my house, and you filmed me and Shu and Keith riding BMX. So it's not just about baseball. So I think people are going to be really excited to see it. And um, do you have any expectations? Like, we could just end on that. Any expectations for this? Oscar. Besides the 14th yeah. Uh, Emmy. Yeah, Oscar. Uh, I like Oscar. Yeah, just, it's got to be an Oscar. Otherwise, the whole thing's a bust. No, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we're really proud of anything that we attach the label SI Film to, and this certainly falls into that category also. We're proud of this film. It's really come a long way. We're proud of, uh, we're proud and grateful to be sort of accepted into the group because that's really what made this work was that at no point did we feel like we were outsiders or being excluded, especially from, uh, you know, yourself and Lizzie and Drew and Endart. Like, everybody couldn't have been more nice and accommodating to us even when, you know, things didn't go our way on the field. So, you know, just really feeling included. And honestly, man, I, I got to thank you publicly for uh, something that you did during the wild card game, which was very unexpected and incredibly kind. You gave me a jersey. Uh, you gave me one of the seven line jerseys. And that, to me, meant as much as anything that happened throughout the filming because it really showed that you consider – I guess me, but also our whole filmmaking crew to be a part of the seven line that we get it, that we're really part of the family. And that really did mean the world because that's what this is about. This is a film by Mets fans for Mets fans that other people should also be able to enjoy. That's really what the goal is here. Dude, you you deserved it. I mean, honestly, you, you are in the family. And and when I gave it to you at the game, I wasn't expecting 
uh, a huge reaction. And obviously, you were working, so like you're, you know, you were there in your your polo and you're very professional. Like, listen, I'd love to put it on, but I got to put it in my bag right now. But I, seriously, I really I appreciate it, and and I just appreciate you. And this is this is huge for me. It's huge for the group. It's huge for the seven line, and and I'm so excited to see it. And I don't send me honestly, even if I ask you for a preview from from now until. March 18th, don't send me one. I want to be surprised the night of the, of the viewing. So um, thank you so much, and I'm so pumped on it, and I can't thank you enough, dude. Same, man. Thank you. And last question for you before I go. Is Endar going to Brooklyn this time? I hope so. I mean, he didn't go last time. I guess you were watching before. He's missed an outing. He's down in spring training right now for opening day. But guess what? He's missing our opening day, our, our spring training outing this year. He he's said, out of the phone. Yeah, he's, he's out. He's Cut, him out. Cut him out. Cut him out. We got to recut. Put an asterisk <laughs> on it. It's done. Yeah, but uh, I can't thank you enough and Samara and everyone else that worked on the project. I'm so excited to see it. And thanks for sending us the exclusive clip. Uh, I'm going to watch it again like 30 more times before I go to sleep tonight. So thanks, dude. That, that graphic is not final. The title, that's just a working title. We're still working on it. Poll your audience. Find out what they think it should be called. We think loyal to the last out because, man, that really does prove to be true. But love to see what the group thinks. About and that was that. our first ever outing shirt said that, so it, it kind of makes sense. Sounds like an orange and blue thing poll for next week. <laughs> yeah, we could totally do that. <laughs> Thanks, right, Josh. Thank you so Thanks, much. Josh. Appreciate it. All right. Be good. Josh Oshinsky of SNS, I'm sorry, SI Films. I mean, dude, what a great guy. Uh, what an incredible kind of behind-the-scenes look at how this thing all came together. Uh, I am so pumped for Mulcahy's, man. I, I honestly, I, I, I couldn't be more excited if, if it was uh, opening day. It's going to be such a, a good time and, and such a great experience to kind of just celebrate everything that this is and this has become, man. I haven't been to Mulcahy's in a while. I'm excited to get back there. And shout-out to them. They, they totally sent us an email after the season was over, like, hey, let's work together on something. And I knew this was coming up. And I wasn't trying to bother Josh hitting him up like, all the time, like, hey, we got to book it, we got to book it. This is a popular place. Yeah. So we didn't mention this before. After the uh, premiere, which is six to nine at nine p.m. on March eighteenth, there is a, I think it's Zach Brown band, like cover ZBB. band. I don't know if you know of them or, or what the name of the band is, but Zach Brown band will be playing. The, the cover band will be playing afterwards, and you're, everyone's welcome to stay. There's no like double cover charge. You don't have to go outside and come back in or anything like that. So once you're in, you're in. We're not saying chicken fried because we, we'd have to pay a license. <laughs> so once we know the details of the outing, of the outing, the premiere, we'll let you guys know. So we're gonna jump into something new this week, which we haven't done before, and I hope it works. I hope it works. Uh, we asked some fans to send us some voice memos to our email address so it's basically questions from fans and um we're gonna try to answer them the best we can hey what's up guys this is maddie opp from thornwood love the show and my question is what was your favorite jersey you had growing up Ooh, want to take a, that one first that's a good one um as you got well as some of you know well, shout out to maddie maddie yeah. our, our first ever voicemail yeah maddie what's up man <laughs> uh yeah you know it's interesting. I um I'm I was a pretty big jersey collector in my day and I still have quite a few. Uh you know what? It's not it's not a Mets jersey, so you guys are gonna let my first jersey. No, you said your favorite. Well, okay. Well my first your I'll tell favorite you favorite Mets jersey I'll tell you growing the, up. I'll tell you one that has a lot of meaning to me because I know she's watching. The first technically jersey I ever had was I was a huge Barry Bonds fan and I had this gold Pittsburgh Pirates t shirt with their old logo, and my mom took uh, fabric 
you know, paint or whatever and wrote Bonds 24 on it. That's cute. And I thought that that was the coolest thing in the world when I was a little kid and I wore it to play wiffle ball like crazy. I don't think she ever knows that, like, that has always stuck with me and probably where my Jersey obsession came from. But uh, that's that's one of my favorites ever. Um, I think probably my favorite Mets one is the first authentic jersey I had, which I didn't even know that I was kind of getting. It was, like, at Shea Stadium – I bought it off one of those corner dugout shops, you know, they had around the field level. Yeah, yeah. And it was the uh, the Snow White jersey with the black drop shadow. It was the first year they had those in 1998. I later got it um, customized from from somewhere with another uh, <laughs> for free. Uh, <laughs> All right. Another for free. Uh, with Piazza. So um, I waited until he re-signed his contract in 99 in the winter. My dad drove me to Roosevelt Field Mall. They send it to the official stitcher of the Mets, which you can look up if you'd like. And, uh, and um, yeah, and, and that was kind of the one I wore through those 90s and 2000s days. So I think that's probably my favorite. Yeah, for me, I was never big of a, a big Jersey guy. I think... Like parents these days, kids grow so often, and um, why buy a jersey? You're gonna not, you're not gonna sure. fit in it in a couple sure. of years. So I was, my grandfather worked at Shea, so I got like every giveaway they've ever had. So um, not to toot my own horn or, or whatever, but I had a lot of like free Met stuff when I was growing up. So I guess my parents weren't as anxious to go out and buy me a jersey. So I think the first one I ever, I bought my first jersey, and it was Mike Cameron. Oh, my on, gosh. It was on the sale rack at Models, like, right after they got rid of him. Yeah. And then I think I cut the sleeves off and just used it to, like, play softball in. But nice. that was my first jersey. And, like, now I think, like, everyone kind of knows if they're friends with me. I don't really collect jerseys besides, like, ours now. I mean, we get jerseys with the right. Sublime Army. But it became a thing for me over the past few years to get all-star game jerseys of whatever Met goes in. Mm-hmm. I only I don't have the DeGrom one. I wasn't really a big fan of the red and black with the yeah, Cincinnati. 20, 2015. But last year I got the uh, the Bartolo. Before yeah. that, I have uh, Daniel Murphy and Harvey for the uh, the orange one from City Field. Mm-hmm. So I'm only missing DeGrom for that, you know, the past few years. But um, yeah, I'm not a big jersey guy. I think I'm like an I'm an all-star game jersey guy from now on. I'll never forget when you saw me one time at it was like, I don't know, it was 2013 or 2014. I always wore jerseys to games, like from the time I was 13 on. And the first time I didn't wear a jersey to the game, I had a seven-line shirt on and you were like there did you a go. double take and you were like, <laughs> this is the first time I've never seen you in a jersey at a game and I was like, I know, man, and I found something I like more. Well, you know, the seven-line came around and I think people stopped uh wearing jer- as many jerseys to the game, which is which is a great testament to the brand and the group, and people just wanted to wear T-shirts instead. Also, it's very hot at the games in the yeah, summer. Yeah, oh my god! Especially where we sit, we're right in center field in the sun, so I don't blame anyone if they don't want to wear their jersey at a day game in July. You it's know hot. what I mean? It's hot. So uh, we're gonna hit up another question here. Hey, Darren. My name is Jessica Keller, and I live in Wellington, Florida. I'm super excited about the Port St. Lucie game coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, anyway, my question is about your wife. Was she always a Mets fan before you guys started dating, or uh, did you convert her like my, my husband converted me? Um, can't wait to see you guys in a few weeks. Let's go Mets. Hey Jessica, here I, I guess you have a little one at home, like we do. Hopefully yeah. you're you're raising them right as a big as a big Mets fan. But Jessica has a great voice, by the way. Yeah, Jessica from Florida, nice and clear, nice um, voice. You know, we got a lot of voicemails. Uh, not a lot. We got over a dozen voicemails, yeah. and we picked out you know some of the the various ones that I think would would have a good conversation between you and I. And this was this was a nice clear one. I mean, you got the baby crying in the back, but that's I mean that's real oh. life right there. But yeah, as I say, we all know that. Yeah, I hear you. But anyway, um, Kelly, my wife, she wasn't a big 
baseball fan before we got together. And obviously when you start dating a guy like me who's so infatuated with the sport and, and, and so excited to go to City no, Shea Stadium, there we go, yeah. to go to games, um, our first game together was opening day 2005. And I think it was like one of her first games ever. She may have been on one of those like a school trip back in the day, but as sure. far as like um, a couple is concerned and like going to the game uh, together, that was our first time, 2005. And we were talking about it earlier. That was the game when um, Glavin pitched, and between innings, there was a there was a billboard in center field that had like a it was like vertical blind. Yeah, the batter's eye. It used was like to turn, be a, right? Exactly. Yeah, it would turn and be an ad in between innings, and right. then it would turn back, and it didn't turn back. So mm-hmm. they came back from commercial, and they weren't sure how to how to fix it. I remember this? Yeah. So I guess the backup plan there was always like a tarp rolled up on yeah. top of the scaffolding, and they told the grounds crew to go out there and like unroll the tarp. So they unroll it and it and it like whips down like and gets to the bottom and it rips. No, oh so, I remember. I remember it well, man. Yeah, so there was like a was ten the minute break, uh, ten minute break in the game or whatever. However long it took them to like fix that, it took them a while. It took but dude, a while I remember that game it. It was like April. I think it was like April eleventh or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and it was beautiful out. Yep. But we were like one of those cheesy couples where like we both had like matching black jerseys and at the time i was making b i was still running my bmx company so like we had matching hats it was like we were totally cheesy like those people you see now they're like oh look at these people you know but do you ever um, wonder like obviously i was there that day do you ever wonder how many times like we probably crossed oh, yeah. paths dude kelly ripper ran directly into me that day like oh really for like i'm, I'm walking to my seats i'm holding whatever and this this girl in like an oversized white jersey just like comes barreling through the crowd i'm like holy shit that's kelly ripper well she does it all <laughs> yeah 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 super mom she's got to come sit with us one day but shout out by the way shout out to sean keller who is uh jessica's wife who is commenting over here yeah thanks they're for watching port st Lucie and, and their baby is shay that was baby shay in the background oh wow there, there, you, go. there you go so yeah then the next year kelly and i ended up getting like a seven game pack they used to sell that at shay yep um but yeah i mean she's been like now we have the baby so she tries to go to sleep early because we get up at the butt crack of dawn but before the baby was around, she'd listen to the games on the way home from work. He put on the fan and and whatever. So she kind of got like as as wrapped into it as I did for a little bit. But obviously things change once you have the baby. But sure. yeah, Kelly's Kelly's down. She's a Mets fan. So uh, our last question here, which we got this question from like nine people, a lot of people. So we're gonna play the one and get to our breaking news. Hey, this is Devontae from Olympia, Washington. What was it like seeing the seven line on MLB The Show 17 for the first time? Well, our breaking news. Here we go. The seven line is in MLB The Show 2017. Yeah, after Salazar got himself blocked by the developers on <laughs> Twitter, it finally it has happened. It, it finally happened, and it's, it's pretty funny. Freaking sick, man. Dude, yeah. I mean, you know what it is? They, they try to make the game as, as authentic and real to the you know to, as possible. We're not at every game, but we're at a good chunk of them. Like this year, we have 14 home games. And whenever you see that group of orange in center field, you know it's us. And um, they wanted to make the game authentic. And I think, honestly, it may have got to the point where they were tired of people hitting them up nonstop. Like, hey, when are you going to put the set line in there? So, like, yeah, like you said, the developer of the game blocked Salazar, like one of our good friends. And I don't think he was ever like saying anything wrong. No, he was just persistent. He's probably like, all right, screw this guy. He asked me the same question all the time. I'm going to just block this kid. But, yeah, if you look on the screen here, there's the cover. It's got Griffey on there. But in the background, there was something that GameStop put up, and it's the whole section. I'll, I'll, I'll turn this off so you can get a, a closer look if you're, if you're watching on Facebook. Um, that's the crew. That's not a photo. That's actually the video game. 
So everyone's rocking orange T-shirts with uh, it says Mets across the chest. It's kind of similar to our jersey and T-shirt last year. Is that pops without a shirt on? Yeah, it, it might be. But yeah, I mean, super cool of the game to put us in there. The, last year they had the Kings Court in there, mm-hmm. and the commentators. I guess I don't, I've never I don't own any systems. I have the the new Nintendo that has like every game on it, but I don't, I'm not a big video game guy. But the the game last year had the King's Court in it, and I, and I saw a clip where they would show the section, and then like the commentators of the game would say, and this is the King's Court, they're here every day, the King Felix pitches, yada yada. I don't expect that they're going to do that for our crew. Um, maybe they will, maybe they won't, but I don't really care. I think that once you play the game and you see that there's a section of orange out there, you're going to just try to connect the dots, and if you don't know about us, maybe you'll Google it or whatever. Someone's yeah, got to exactly. actually update our Wikipedia. We have a Wikipedia. I don't know who made oh, it, yeah? but it's like two paragraphs. Someone's got to update it and, and write that the uh, the group is in MLB The Show. Does Matt Veskersian still do uh, the commentary for that game? I if couldn't tell do- you. I've never played it. If he does, uh, he should, you know, being the XFL alum that he is, he should <laughs> he should appreciate this fan uprising and uh, and, and record some. Uh, uh, Michael Vogel says yes, he does. So so Matt Va- Matt Vaskersian, Seven Line Army. Well, I don't know. I think the game's record, probably record done. A, record a voiceover for at least maybe for next year. Two, yeah, two thousand eighteen. But yeah. you know, I I actually wrote to the guy and I was like, I'm not trying to like bother you here but if you do want to put us in here's a video there's a video i have it's actually pinned on our on the seven lines twitter that shows like the best moments of 2016 i'm like hey if you need any video clips or audio clips this is what we do we do the struck them out we do the k count but i don't expect that they're going to put that in but if they did it would be like it would be really what we do but um who knows i'm i'm, I'm probably asking for too much on year one but who knows if it becomes a thing and we're 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 in the game from now on that'll be awesome i think what would be really cool too is if they randomly pop like an orange section for a road game, yeah, that'd be cool. Because that's like, consistent, dude. We're the only do, ones that do it. You do a road to the show or whatever, and all of a sudden you have just like a random game in Milwaukee or a yeah, game you go to Milwaukee or... and the bleachers are orange yeah. that day. Or you go, you know, to San Francisco and there's rec- a section of blue. You could upstairs. record like a like a random voiceover, like a large contingent of opposing <laughs> fans here at Miller Park or something like that. Yeah, something cool like that. But yeah, we're we're super excited when this came out like last Friday. I was driving and and it was a, a screenshot that someone posted. I, I I should have wrote their name down, but it was like the batter's eye. Yeah. Not the batter's eye. The yeah, like of the batter. Mm-hmm. You know, from the catcher's perspective of the outfield, and you could just see the big outfit reserve and yeah. all orange. And I started getting texts from like you know a bunch of different people like, oh my god, you're actually in the game. I'm like, well, I didn't Photoshop that. That's like, it's it's real, man. So awesome. shout out to him will be the show. We're super excited to be in it, and, and the army is really pumped on it too. So. Do you play games like? Are you- I used to play MVP Baseball 2004 and 2005. In fact, <laughs> for any video game people out there, MVP Baseball 2005 to me is the quintessential baseball game. And I updated the rosters up until I was like, like I don't know, for like five years after that, I would take the random guys they had in the minors. And I would look up scouting reports for guys coming up, and I would update them and guys with similar body types or whatever. Anyway, long story short, I used to do it as like very therapeutic. <laughs> when my wife and I started like you know really getting into a relationship, then then that stopped because she was like, "What are you doing? Why are you just editing random players in a PlayStation game?" But anyway, the last game that I played that was sport related was uh, what was the basketball one? Like he's on fire, NBA Jam, uh, NBA Jam. Oh that was a- my. That was the last game I got into. But um, we're going to get on to our final segment of the night, which we do every week. We've been doing it since episode two, is get to the Facebook comments here and answer some of your questions if you have any. And we haven't really pushed this this episode. We we used to push it a lot 
Share the show if you're into it. Hit that like button if you're into it. And uh, we're just trying to build up the audience. The season hasn't started yet. It's starting tomorrow, spring training-wise. The first game is tomorrow against the Red Sox. First game at, I was going to say Tradition Field. Uh, the first game in Port St. Lucie is Saturday. A bunch of our friends are down there. Look for people rocking orange. They're probably with our crew. And... Um, Say what's up. Go grab yourself a rum bucket. Get a get a taco and a helmet. And um, if you want to be part of the show next week for the voice memos, just email info at orangeandbluething.com. Try to keep it within 15, 20 seconds. Just ask us a question. It doesn't even have to be baseball related. If you want to ask us if we think the earth is flat, you can ask us. Whatever. Whatever you want. We don't. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you want to ask us. Try to mix it up a little bit. But we're going to get to some Facebook comments. I don't know if you want to read any on your screen there. Yeah. If, there if there are none, then we'll just close the show for the night. But um, let's let's do a couple. Be while we wait for one or two to roll in, uh, i got to give this guy some love because he's a, a net New Jersey Nets alum. Richard Jefferson wore a custom um, flat world champion shirt. T-shirt that he had printed up after Kyrie Irving said the thing about being being a flat Earth. I thought that was hilarious. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, what's the best time to get to the field for spring training on the day of the seven line outing? Oh, I don't it's know. From Hector Vargas. Whatever the gates, whenever the gates open, they're opening up an hour early just for our group. In your package with your shirt and your ticket to the game was a wristband that said the seven line army outing. Wear that to the game. You'll be able to get it in an hour early. I think the game starts at 1. Gates usually open at 11, so maybe 10. We get in an hour early. So I would show up even earlier than that. Make sure that, you know, there's a 1,000 people showing up. Oh, sorry, I had a burp. There's a 1,000 people going to the game, and it's probably going to be a while for everyone to get through the gates. So I would say show up at like 9. Um, Alan Brower says, how many games do you think David Wright plays this season? Um, 162. Nice. That's <laughs> no, I think uh, 90, 100. What do you think? Uh, I said 90 a couple weeks ago, so I say 90. I'll stick with 90. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, here's one from Lisa Island that we talk about all the time. The, she wants to know if you can make a Willie Stargell-era kind of pillow box cap for the Mets. That's the flat top. Yeah, pill box. I don't know. I mean, 47 came out with one. I think they fit kind of weird. I think that people like the idea of them coming yes, back, but yeah, I don't exactly. think they actually like the way they fit. Exactly. I tried one on at the mall, and I wasn't I wasn't into it. So it, it looks cool, um, but uh, you know, I don't know. It, I I'm just like the pillow. Bo I had a pillow pillow box cap, uh, pirates cap when I was a kid. I had one. I don't know. It's, it's like a it's a fun novelty, but I don't know if you'd actually wear it all the time. I think Miles Miles Good has one. Yeah, yeah, he does. It looks good on him though. Like it fits him. I don't know. I feel it, like it's, it's because he has that throwback vibe. Yeah, he does. That's Miles, man. <laughs> yeah. I like him. Uh, so Anthony Cass wants to know what's the moment that I actually thought of the seven line. Like, what was the moment where it hit me? And I, some people might not know. I have a BMX background, and I used to make T-shirts for my friends, and and I ended up starting a company around BMX biking. Making T-shirts, going to going to different events, sponsoring riders. I started traveling overseas, going all over the country. And BMX was my thing for uh, since I was like 14 until I was started this. So I basically adopted the BMX um, mentality and mm -hmm. tried to bring it to sports, which is rider owned. So rider owned bike companies are the ones that the other riders respected the most. We, we weren't going to go to Toys R Us and buy a bike. Right. You know what I mean? We were buying bikes made by no, other bike riders. No Huffies. No, Huffy actually tried to make it, tried to make a comeback, and but it, it, it failed pretty quickly. They were only back for like two years in the mid nineties. But mm -hmm. um, 
BMX riders want to support other riders that own companies and make stuff themselves. So I was like, all right, well, maybe since I already know how to make t-shirts and I'm a Mets fan, maybe I can make shirts and other Mets fans would want to buy them. And that's kind of how it happened. So at the end of 2009, I was sitting at City Field, another disappointing season, first one at, at, at the stadium, and I made a shirt with all the disappointments of the years before, like the collapse and mm-hmm. whatever. And that was the first ever shirt. It said I survived and fans wanted it. And I didn't even have a Facebook or Twitter. Instagram wasn't even a thing yet. Mm-hmm. Made a website, worked all off-season on it, and officially opening day 2010 was the start of the seven line. And then three seasons later, signed a licensing deal with Major League Baseball. So I was full throttle, pedal to the freaking metal, every day grinding on this. And I'm doing the same thing today. So um, I still don't – it's work, but it's not a job. You know what I mean? I work on this all the time. I I lose sleep over it. I was losing sleep over this, and I think it went all right so far. And people are commenting well. that the sound is good, the audio quality is good. So I don't know. And uh, I only have the fans to thank for it. So, so let me let me just do a couple ones. David uh, Gwinner says that somebody says that he looks like an LIR conductor when he wears his pillow box cap. My, <laughs> my brother-in-law is an LIR conductor and my sister-in-law. So shout out to LIR. You have a crappy job that no one really appreciates. Um, they get paid well. Somebody, Yvonne Rodriguez, I'm assuming not the catcher, wants to know when my baby was born and if I'm planning to bring him or her to the seven line games this year. Um, that was episode four. Yeah, so uh, Pudge, I was, <laughs> I'm assuming this is Hall of Fame catcher Pudge Rodriguez. Uh, yeah, no, um, my son was born in October, uh, in late October, and um, we're not going to bring him to a game this year. Uh, it's just like, it's just. I don't know. It, it's each we we talked about bringing kids to games and like just for us for the way our family works. I think we're gonna wait. My first game was when I was almost four, and I'm no less a Mets fan because of it. So, uh, so I think we're gonna we're gonna wait. Um, but you can if you come out and you want to see a picture of my son who's adorable, I'll show you a picture of him because <laughs> I personally think he's quite handsome. All right, guys. So we're already going on over like an hour and twenty minutes. Another long show. Thanks for staying with us as long as you have. Um, Anything else we got to talk about? Oh, if you're if you're watching this and you're not listening to this afterwards on iTunes because they're probably sold out already. Tomorrow, the Roosevelt jacket, the black body with the camo sleeves, gets restocked. We have 250 of those available. Uh, they're going to go up at noon on the sevenline.com. The first 250 sold out almost instantaneously, and that was back in October. The reason why we don't make more, they're all made by hand in Queens. They take a long time to produce, so I'm sorry for the long wait. But we have 250 in our hands that we can ship immediately. So. Tomorrow at noon, we have extra small to 4XL in men's. And if you're unsure of your size, it goes by suit size. Mm -hmm. So if you have broad shoulders like Brian, make sure you order accordingly. Um, Because then if you try to send it back, they're going to be sold out. And we won't be able to give you an exchange. So we just have to refund you. So definitely order the correct size. It goes by suit size. If you're not sure what suit size you are. Go try one on at Macy's. Yeah, go try one on tonight and be prepared for tomorrow at noon. And then uh, Brian's going to hit you with the next plug. One more seven-line thing. Um, This coming Tuesday, February 28th, uh, St. Louis outing tickets go on sale. That one's going to be at, obviously, the new Bush Stadium, which will happen on July 8th. A lot of people have been asking about this and when they go on sale. This is when they go on sale. It is July 8th is the outing date. They go on sale Tuesday, February 28th, $69. So if you want to come out and see the Mets take on the Pond Scum Cardinals, (laughs) you can. Uh, it's going to be an awesome time and hit up our buddy Andrew Indart to find out what hotel he booked 
Yeah, totally. So we, we try to keep you guys informed as much as possible. But on the outings, people always ask, when's this going to be on sale? When's that going to be on sale? Go to the7linearmy.com. If you want to even shorten it a little bit, t7la.com brings you to the same exact place. All the details that you need to know for games that we already know when we're going to sell are up there. So we sell them in order. Obviously, Seattle would be next. Houston would be after that. Yankee Stadium. We've got a whole bunch of stuff going on. So join our mailing list if you don't feel like going to the website. We'll keep you guys informed as much as we possibly can. Again, we don't bother you with uh, emails every day like a lot of companies do out there. And um, we're just excited to get the season started. Again, game starts tomorrow. Can't wait to listen to it on WRR, on MLB at Bat, the MLB at Bat app. And um, anything else you want to say? I'm excited about tonight. I think it went pretty well. I think it went great. Thanks uh, again to Josh. Yeah, thanks for, thanks to Josh for hopping on with us. Uh, thanks to everybody for hanging out with us on Facebook Live. If you download it on iTunes, please remember to rate and share the show. We really appreciate it. Guys, we'll be back next week. We are uh, just full throttle towards opening day, only about a month away. So thanks for hanging out with us. We'll be back next Thursday. I'm Brian Ernie. He's Darren Meenan. I'm going to hit the fans with one more thing before we go. You know, he does this to me every damn time I try to do a nice wrap-up. It'll be like, Brian, you got anything else to say you want to wrap up the show? Yeah, man, I want to put a really nice bow on it. Okay, cool. Um, Let's see. I have about eight other things I'd like to talk about here. Um, (laughs) Sorry, guys. They're asking for it, so I'm going to replay the clip one more time. All right. This is just for Duel. You know it. It's for you guys. I mean, honestly, I'm so excited about the clip. Thanks again for Josh from Sports Illustrated for sending it over. And we're going to end with that. And we'll see you guys next week, episode 10 of Orange and Blue Thing coming at you next Thursday, 6 p.m., facebook.com slash the seven line. And like Brian said, if you're listening to on us listening to us on iTunes, hook us up with the subscribe, hit that rate button, leave us a nice review if you think we deserve it, and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you.